Episode of the Vigilante Patrol. That's why we're a sub show of the Vigilante 1939 podcast. On this week's episode, myself and Emmett Davis, a writer for Geeks Worldwide, are going to be reviewing not one, but two episodes of Doom Patrol Season 3. We are back reviewing Episode 7 titled Bird Patrol and Episode 8 titled Subconscious Patrol. So, I already said his name. Joining me as always for these Vigilante Patrol reviews is Emmett Davis. Emmett, how you doing, sir? Kaka! Kaka! <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. It was in the palm of my hand, man. <laughs> I'm doing uh, doing well, Zeddy. Uh, glad to be back at it again, talking Doom Patrol with you. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we obviously took a took a few weeks off, you know, just, you know, DC fandom hype, a little bit of scheduling. Uh, conflicts, all that jazz, but you know, one thing's for sure is we were not stopping watching Doom Patrol. That's one thing's for sure. You know, I know you and I were still talking about it on the side, and we were we were just planning for this big episode, which is what we got this week, which is awesome. Uh, sometimes that's what you need, and I think that we actually made the right choice combining these two episodes. If I'm actually being honest, not that you know we we didn't have enough to talk about with either of them, but I just think that. At least these two that I think that we're reviewing a little more coherent. They kind of go hand in hand with one another. Uh, So, of course, we're obviously going to get to both of them. But I think I want to start off with episode seven. Coincidentally enough, titled Bird Patrol. Caw-caw! Caw-caw, So, Emmett, I'm going to have you... I'm going to actually want to kick this one off to you. So, just... um, Explain to me, like, what your thoughts were just leading in episode seven and kind of what, like, what you thought of the the standout moments this week's uh, in episode seven. Yeah, seven was a little bit different. And, you know, obviously we are, like you said, Zeddy, we're reviewing this as uh, uh, two episodes together. So it's been two weeks since, um, since Bird Patrol. So it's not as fresh in my mind as um, Subconscious Patrol. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, just in the, some of the stuff that it, we had written down here, one of the big things was for me, obviously, um, what's been playing a lot in this season is Rita with the, uh, with the Bureau of Normalcy and her whole, uh, dealings with the sisterhood of Dada. And mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting that, uh, in episode seven that you know, there was kind of a time jump for her. Um, you know, we'd see, we, she's been there for, um, you know, she arrived back in, I think it was 1917 or something. And then yeah. fast forward to 1949. So she's already, she's been with them for 30 years. So I thought that was a, a, a big jump. Um, you know, and I think in the last time we recorded, there was, I had a thought in my mind about how the metahumans were being treated in, in that episode, how they were being, you know, treated as second class citizens. And I thought maybe it was because that, you know, superheroes and metahumans and people with super uh, abilities weren't, um, like the norm weren't common. And I almost, I surmise that maybe it's because Superman hasn't, hadn't arrived yet. 
Mm-hmm. And obviously they flash forward to 1949 after World War II is, uh, has, uh, you know, has come to a conclusion and, you know, and Superman should be around at this time. So that, that theory of mine kind of got thrown out the window about how they're treated, but it, it was still interesting to see how they're treated, um, going forward in this, in the Bureau, you know, it was interesting seeing Laura doing more of her work. Um, you know, we, if we remember when Rita first arrived there and she was getting interviewed by Laura and Laura was trying to figure out whether or not she was a weapon or whatnot. And it was interesting seeing what actually happens to the weapons, what happens to the superheroes, the metas that um, are classified as weapons. So I, I I thought that stuff was very interesting. And, you know, the, the whole, you know, this episode um, and obviously the next one, episode eight, you know, there's just so much to do with the sisterhood and the Bureau and, um, the Brotherhood of Evil, um, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff's really getting played with over these last couple episodes, and it's mixing in um, a lot of the personal stuff too. Um, you know, so the the big standout for me for episode seven was Rita and her time with the Sisterhood and at the Bureau. Um, you know, it, I, I I just really found the time jump really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't expect there to be such a big gap. Um, you know, and I you know what they don't really explain what Rita's been doing. Uh, for the 30 years, you know, obviously the sisterhood, um, it, you know, has their own plans about what they want to do, what they want to accomplish, um, you know, how they want to grow, how they want to change things. Um, and that really comes to head um, in this episode for, um, you know, you know, for them in a very poor and in a bad way because of, um, you know, Laura DeMille and, you know, what she does and how she, you know, kind of turns on the crew um, and shows her true colors um, a little bit. So again, another thing with her, with Rita and with Laura, we're starting to see, see more of Laura and why she is the, the, why she is the way she is and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you fast forward a bit to episode eight, you see more of that stuff too. So yeah. like, like you said, Zeddy, and this is very long winded, these two episodes do play very well together for the Rita and the sisterhood of Dada, um, relations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm completely with you on the whole bureau stuff, and you know, just the stuff with Laura Deville, because you know, it really, it really just was interesting that you know the point that you kept making about you know metahumans in the time period that they're in, you know, whether they're weapons or non-weapons. To me, that stuff was the most interesting part of this week's episode. Just deciding whether or not somebody is a weapon or not—that's always a real interesting uh, concept to play with these days. And and I kind of dug the whole side group that Rita was kind of leading along the way, right? Where they were trying to convince uh, Lori DeVille to, you know, be on their side, right? You know, to try to make a change. Like, I thought that stuff was was pretty brilliant. And it's almost like you get, like, a coming out party, you know, for the metahumans, essentially, right? Uh, you know, a lot of them, you know, were not in control of their own fate, right? That's kind of what they're playing with right now, you know, is that their fate is decided by somebody else. It's not decided by them so it's kind of like you just said so you know their choice of what ultimately happens to you if you decided that you're a weapon or not you know is pretty pretty brutal and it's pretty tragic right considering that it can literally be changed by one person you know if they really wanted to so it's one of those you know like the government sees you one way and you know you see yourself another way so i think that's another another interesting thing that this episode tries to play with that you know it's a lot of uh the Doom patrol sees themselves as one different way and the world sees them in a completely different other way as well. And I know obviously episode eight touches on that even further, which we're, we're, we're going to dive into, but you know, just a lot of other interesting things too, you know, going on, you know, like Larry, 
literally pukes up a larva, you know, whether or not it's, uh, we don't know what quite species it is, you know, that's kind of yet to be explored. Uh, you know, Cliff is clearly still being Cliff. Uh, Jane's personalities are, that's kind of starting to take a little bit of a dark turn as well. And obviously Vic, you know, being on the table and when I mean table, you know, I mean, you know, getting plastic surgery, you know, he's actually literally going through getting uh synthetic skin, you know, so that that's pretty crucial just for cyborgs kind of story in general. So Emma, just walk me through on, on what you thought of, you know, the other arcs kind of in this episode, because to me, it really kind of just felt more like a bottle episode. And that's really not necessarily a, like a bad thing. Like it, it's clearly like to develop, you know, the next episode, I would say, right. It's to set up the next episode. It's like, it's almost like this should have been bird patrol part one and part two should have been subconscious patrol. Cause that's kind of how I viewed them. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a good take considering like what happens with the, um, the whole sisterhood in the fog that they're sending out to, um, to crew, like the invitation, um, like all mm-hmm. of that stuff gets played out more, um, you know, by the end of, you know, this episode when, for some strange and un- uncoherent reason, they turn into literal birds and fly away and disappear. <laughs> like, I have no idea what any of that means. Um, I still don't by the time we get to episode eight, which is fine. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, th- so that's, that. it's a bottle episode in terms of, you know, some of the characters just kind of, you know, going along their way. Um, you know, Cliff's going further and further down his hole. Um, you know, he's, he, he wants to be a good grandfather. He wants to be a good daughter. Um but he's still got that addiction in him. He's got the the money addiction in him. You know, he's you know he's by the end of it, he steals his daughter's bank card and uses it to mm-hmm. you know do this st- stuff with his cam girl and, and the games and stuff like that. Um, you know, and and the mm-hmm. stuff with Larry was a little bit different. Obviously, he pukes up this larva thing, and then he kind of doesn't know what to do with it, and he you know he trying to coddle it, and then he wants to bury it, and he doesn't want to bury it. So um, that stuff was. Uh, it didn't really connect a lot with me, um, and I'm not sure if it's supposed to yet, considering where we see where it's left off by the end of the episode, in episode 8, which is basically he just picks up the larva again and mm-hmm. carries on, and we'll see what happens uh, with the rest of it. Um, the stuff with Jane is interesting, because, like you said, Zeddy, you know, they are all there to protect Kay. But now the others are trying to are starting to look inwards and say, "Well, what about me?" Um, yeah. You know. Um, so, yeah, the Jane stuff was the stuff that interested me this time, just because of the way that the personalities are handling themselves um, mm-hmm. this time around. Um, you know, power struggle. It, yeah, it is. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It is a power struggle, and it's interesting how where it's going to lead. And you know. It's, I don't know if it's a little too early to say this before we get to the end of um, episode eight, even talking about it. But I wonder if there were setting up threads for a you know a next season or um, you know storylines mm-hmm. down the road. Um, you know, because the stuff with Jane and the personalities playing out pretty slow. The stuff with Larry and this larva are playing out pretty slow. Or and even you know the the negative spirit, all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And the stuff with Cliff too, like it's playing out a little slow. Like he's selling their stuff, he's going to his daughter's house and looked after his kid. So they're definitely taking their time with all these stories. You know, it just as much as, as you say, you know, it's a bottle episode. Um, you know, they're they're really taking their time telling a story, uh, and that's not a bad thing at all either. By the way, um, mm-hmm. it's just you know, it, it's it's just funny as quickly as the first episode in the first season 
changed things from the season finale, got that stuff out of the way and moved it along. Once we started to get into the actual storylines of, um, you know, Larry and this negative spirit and the larva or whatever, uh, Cliff and his addiction, Jane and the power struggle, all that stuff's playing out pretty slow. Um, mm-hmm. And in this episode, episode seven, Bird Patrol, that's what it is doing again. It's just building more and more. Um, you know, the stuff with Vic as well. Like he's, he goes to the place at the end of episode six. And then in episode seven, he's still there talking to the people. Nothing's been done yet. Um, he calls Ronnie for a little bit just to, you know, trying to get, I don't know if it's approval or disapproval from her. I'm not sure what he was looking for. Um, mm-hmm. He got disapproval. So he's going to say F you and he's going to do it anyways. Um, yeah. Which kind of happens in episode eight a little bit too, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so the crew the crew kind of does their thing. Um, it just it it you know it's 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 bleeding out a little bit. You know, we talked about this all the way back in the first couple episodes where we we wanted some more change, we wanted some more um, movement. Um, it doesn't look like we're getting it quickly, but we are definitely getting the change. Like they're the you know the writers, the directors, the showrunners, they're showing us where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, Larry and this larva, something's going to happen. Um, Jane and and the personality, something's going to happen. You know, Cliff and his addiction, something's going to happen. It's all going to happen. Um, and maybe after, you know, episode eight, where there's a lot of stuff that happens in that episode, maybe it, where nine yeah. and ten is stuff where it really goes bananas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm I'm totally with you. You know, it was just a lot more of, you know, the decisions that were made were not really head scratching, but they were just interesting, you know, to say the least. Right. Like. I think you kind of summed it up perfectly too. Like there's movement with what's going on, but it's really slow movement. It's almost like, you know, we're, I feel like we're going to be rewarded like, you know, by episode 10, you know, I was certainly rewarded uh, in episode eight, kind of to say least, which I know we're kind of dragging it out and we're probably going to get through in a few minutes. Too <laughs> I, because... I was going to say that all we do is we want to talk about episode eight so badly because it's so freaking good. And we just have to try <laughs> and get through seven because there's a lot of yeah. stuff that happens in seven too. Yeah, you know, and like I said, you know, it's not like it was bad, you know, like, I mean, like, I it, I still think it was a good episode, but I mean, like, episode eight was, like, a great episode, so uh, I think, you know, and the whole thing about them being birds, too, yeah, like, I'll be honest with you, like, the last two episodes, to me, haven't really felt weird, I guess, which is, like, weird to say with Doom Patrol, too, like, yeah, the concept is still weird, but it's, you don't, you don't feel like that sense of uncomfortable uh ness right in, in your stomach a little bit you know you don't you know you don't get that eerie feeling when you're watching the show sometimes when they really throw these weird things at you it's almost like it's it's a they're beautiful metaphors in a sense too like you know them being birds i think was actually a really really beautiful metaphor in a sense too that you know birds kind of represent you know flying away and you know being rid of you of, of yourself and letting a go letting go of a certain aspect of yourself so you can be a better version of yourself too i thought that was kind of beautiful that's maybe where they're going with it too is that you know each kind of bird of themselves i guess is trying to tell them something and they either have to accept it and then it's their choice whether or not what they do with it or it's it's gonna be like you know the birds literally deciding their fate but i think it, it was totally metaphoric too in a sense too that you really have to grasp onto it but uh, I'm totally with it too, and you know the ending of you know with Laura Deville, you know, and what she does to the metahumans, too. You know, her deciding what her fate is too, and then you ultimately get you know why Rita is trying to stop her or not trying to stop her too. Uh, that's kind of pretty pretty clear too. But other than that, Emmett, I don't know if there's really anything too much with episode seven. I would say you know the sisters of Dada obviously gets exploited a little bit, and that you know they're not 
the threat, I would say, too. They're more like they're what we're trying to redeem in a way or trying to, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but I think that's really the only other thing that stood out to me is that, you know, it's not the sisterhood of Dada that we have to stop. It's the sisterhood of Dada we have to help, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that's an important point, Eddie, and I think that also plays into the way the episode plays out. Um, you know, mm-hmm. since Rita has gone back in time, um, the way they're playing the the, pre- the past uh, segments and the present day segments have, has been really good. Um, you know, obviously mm-hmm. in, in the final moments of episode seven, we see like the, um, I don't know, the lineup or the, you know, the, the firing squad kind of deal that they're going with. You know, I like how it was played out in the past and the present with, you know, the Doom Patrol doing the dancing and doing their, you know, the um, the dancing that the Sisterhood of Dada does. And then they're down on mm-hmm. their hands and or down on their knees, like ready to, to, to get it from the firing squad that Laura, you know, brings in the, the Bureau to, you know, halt them, to stop them. So I, I like the way the episode was playing out that way. Yeah. Um, I like that we start to see why, you know, Laura's memories coming back and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, Trent finally getting some answers in that regard about who she, who she is and um, how she can remember who she is again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like how that all played out. And you're right, Zeddy. I like the idea, like when we first saw the sisterhood of Dada, how we thought they were going to be the bad guys of this. Uh, I thought they were going to be the bad guys of this season and seeing mm-hmm. them now as not the bad guys as victims um out for revenge uh, yeah. in, uh, in some sort against Laura. Um, mm-hmm. That's a really interesting take. Seeing Laura, um, like I said, when she's dealing with that guy saying he's the weapon, you, you you turn around and say, oh, wait, Laura's the bad guy here. Laura's being bad. She's she's not yeah. being bad. She's doing exactly what the Bureau wants her to be. But from mm-hmm. what we saw like in the present day stuff with her not knowing who she is, you kind of have a um, a more sympathetic nature towards her, thinking about her. Mm-hmm. But seeing her here now, I really like the idea of the role reversals we're seeing um, in this season from even the Doom Patrol, too. Um, like, they, they've never been good people um, since we first saw them. But uh, yeah. uh, it's interesting to to see their, their different sides um, throughout this whole season. And it's nice to see different mm-hmm. sides of Laura. Um, and Rita has different sides, too, as we see in Episode 8. Um, you know... It's just, it's really interesting. I like, that's one of the, that's another thing that I should have mentioned at the start, but one big standout for me in this episode was the, the, the past and present relations and how it's telling the story. Um, you know, that's one thing I've always commended about Doom Patrol is how they tell a story, how they write a story, how the story yeah. is written. Um, you know, it's, it's not just a run of your mail standard, you know, A to B to C to Z kind of mm-hmm. thing, right? They're, they're, they jump back and forth and all over the place and, you know, can connect dots here and there. Um, and sometimes they don't connect the dots and it's just as confusing as ever, like them turning into birds and flying out and, you know, doing weird shit. Mm-hmm. But that's why we love the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I actually felt a little Ghostbusters vibes too, in a sense too, almost mm-hmm. where it's, uh, it's obviously, you know, we're, we're led to believe that, you know, the Doom Patrol is trying to help, you know, the sisterhood of Dada, but obviously the sisterhood of Dada isn't technically real, so they have to help like their inner spirits, in a sense too. So I'm wondering if it's one of those like you know their spirits are around the Doom Patrol, and by them helping them is it is a way to free them, I guess, in a sense too, right? It's almost like you know by helping them kind of changes the course of how metahumans were viewed, I guess, in that time period maybe. So maybe it's just a whole redemption redemption arc kind of going on. The whole time, maybe that that's a little like out of left field uh, choice for me, but 
I think that's the beautiful show with Doom Patrol too, is that you you can view it in different ways, and your way isn't wrong, you know, for viewing it that way. So, uh, but Emmett, I think we should probably just get into episode eight. We've been dying to do it, so I want to do it. I know you want to do it. Uh, I don't even trying to be hyperbolic here, but probably one of the best episodes of the whole series, I would say, is certainly one of the more impactful episodes of Doom Patrol. I mean, the acting. With Stella, we got to see um, Matt Bomber and Brendan Fraser uh, really act like physically in their form. Uh, so that was really cool. We get the realization of what happens to Vic. Uh, he actually does go through the uh, plastic surgery. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we do get our weirdness in the sense that Jane's personalities are Muppets. Uh, now that was really more of the comedic uh, side of the episode too, but it was pretty funny and also really dark and disturbing at the same time, uh, which we're also going to talk about. And then yet again, like, just like you said, um, Emmett, you know, Rita's kind of at the forefront of this week's episode. She's in the background, but she's kind of leading the charge of trying to get the Duke patrol, uh, you know, back, back in place here, you know, back on track, might you say. And then we get, we get probably our ending of what's probably our payoff for episodes nine and 10. Uh, so I'm, I'm really, really eager to see, where that lands too but i mean let's probably just start off with you know let's actually start off with the big things here you know and that's the arcs i would say too so how did it feel to see matt bomber and you know brendan fraser you know in full form and they start in this week's episode you know we don't get them a whole lot so you know obviously when they do show up it matters so just how, how do you think that felt you know how did that feel to you by the end of the episode, I loved it. Um, I think it made a ton of sense considering what they were trying to accomplish. Um, you know, this is one of the most emotional episodes, I think, of the whole series. You know, like, I, I agree with you, Zeddy. It might be the best. I'm not sure. Um, mm-hmm. But it is one of the best. Um, and I think having them being able to see their faces mattered in this sense. You know, even when we don't see their faces, it's not them underneath the costumes. They only do the voice work. So they can only do so much. Um, you know, so, you know, as much as we laugh and think Cliff's hilarious, it's just most of the time, it's just Brendan Fraser sitting in a room talking into a microphone. Um, you know, he's not there on set interacting. He's not wearing a robot suit. Um, so, and, and it's even funny seeing him talk to the, you know, the person in the robot suit in, mm-hmm. in, in, in the episode, even better. So, um, it, it was a bit, I don't know, off-putting is not the right word. Maybe shocking is a little bit. It was just different, you know, seeing sure. them like this, um, you know. Because, like you said, we don't see them that often. Um, we saw mostly, I think, human Brandon Fraser, uh, human Cliff a lot in the first season, I think. Not so much yeah. in the second one, if I remember correctly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in Matt Bomber, we see him, again, I think it was a lot more in the first season. Not so much yeah. in the second season. Um, so by the end of the episode, I think it was perfect. It was, you know, you absolutely needed it. Um, you needed the facial expressions. You needed their eyes. You needed everything about acting. Um you know, you needed it to convey the message um, and the importance of what they were saying, what they were going through. You know, at, at the start, it was, I didn't know how to take this episode at the start, especially because of Jane's thing. Um, I think that was the big monkey wrench in the whole in the whole works is seeing yeah. Muppets, for Christ's sakes. Like, um, <laughs> and even now after after the whole episode is over, her her part is still the most strange. But I think that's just that's just a Doom Patrol thing. You know, they can't just yeah. they, they can't play it cut and dry. Um, it's got to have something that makes it Doom Patrol. And that's what Muppets are. And it does make sense, mm-hmm. too. You, you know, a kid's subconscious. Sure. Why shouldn't it be um, a, a kid's product, a kid's TV show? That makes total yeah. 
total sense too. Um, but the episode is so very good for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, and a lot of what we were talking about in the, with the last episode, seeing who is the bad guy, um, seeing what, you know, or, and who's not the bad guy, seeing what the sisterhood of Dada wants, seeing what Rita wants, you know, putting some pieces together with, you know, who that person was outside of the, the lodge or whatever that pushed Rita back inside, um, yep. back inside. That was just Rita. Um, she came mm-hmm. back and she did that just to, you know, make sure things happened as they were supposed to. So we even get the little stupid time travel uh, quirks that happen in, in movies and TV shows that don't make, don't make any sense. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I suspect, so if Re- uh, this is a, a question that's totally off topic, but if Rita's back in that time now, if she is there, how is Laura there? Like, does mm. Laura take another time machine um, to try and stop um, Rita somehow? Um, like, it's it's interesting because when you go all the way back to it, Laura just arrives at, um, you know, Doom Manor just like that. She gets out of that the time machine, takes her dump in the middle of the street, talks to the girl um, from Rita's acting class, and then just arrives in Doom Manor. So I wonder if there's some mm-hmm. more uh, interconnectivity um, in the next episode just to to fill in some more gaps. But again, they're filling in those gaps slowly. Like I talked about Seti. Um, they're mm-hmm. taking their time telling the story. Um, it's not just, you know, uh, an information dump in one episode. They're playing it out over and over and over again. Um, but a lot happens in this episode and it's a lot about what's happening in this whole series about in this whole season, sorry, about how these people are accepting who they are and trying yeah. to grow inside the bad people that they are and understanding that, you know, mistakes happen and bad things happen and they've done bad things and that doesn't, that won't define them for the rest of their lives. Um, they can change, they can be better if they choose to be, um, but they have to choose to want, uh, choose to want to change. And, you know, some do, some don't, some make a big, very big drastic change. Um, some make a change that uh, is too little too late. Um, so that, yeah, a lot of yeah. stuff happens in the spot. I don't really know where to start. So you're going to have to, mm-hmm. to help me out for, you know, where to start for which character, because a lot happens with with each character in this one. Yeah, no, I, I'm completely with you. You know, and this is essentially, you know, like episode seven, you probably just really needed the ending. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Whereas, you know, this week's episode uh, builds off of building up to the ending and, and makes the episode better. Uh, and I thought everything was just brilliant from everyone meeting themselves, too. You know, we kind of have it in our doc here um, that. It's almost like a little bit of it's a wonderful life, essentially, with all these people, too, in a sense that, you know, they're literally just watching their lives kind of play out, you know, their their memories, you know, of stuff that they've experienced. And it's almost like a lesson is trying to be taught to them. And it's their choice of whether or not to, you know, accept what the lesson is or to defy the lesson and stay on course uh, of the life that they're living. So I thought that was just beautiful, too. Um, I think we should just talk about Larry. I want to start off with Larry's. I think, you know, he probably has the most uh, powerful arc, I would say, too, in a sense, too, you know, so obviously, you know, he goes back to the memory of, uh, what is it, his, was it his uh, trying to marry his wife, I believe? His wedding day, yeah. You know, him, you know, not accepting that he was gay and his mom giving giving him uh, the ring and everything like that. And I thought him, like Matt Bomber trying to interact with Negative Man. I thought was amazing, and then we get that beautiful scene, kind of at the end of it, where it's just them talking, and then that, and kind of Larry, uh, realizing that you know he needs to change, right? Like you know, it's everything in his life is not his fault. You know, he should stop blaming himself. So I thought 
it was beautiful too and just the camera angles too i mean i want to applaud to the fact that you know the screen was just literally focused on like those people right like whenever there was a big moment kind of going on you know you never you didn't see jane you didn't see cliff if there was something going on with larry it was just focused on larry and Matt Bomber, and that definitely, like, made what was happening more powerful for me, when you can literally just see, like, the tears kind of in Matt Bomber's eyes just flowing down a little bit, like, I, it was it was beautiful, uh, so just how did that stuff, you know, hit with you, Emmett, you know, and where do you think Larry goes from here, I guess, because it is kind of a little more clear. For sure, yeah, no, it's interesting, Zeddy, because, like, the whole idea of them going back to their, their most shameful moments, you know, this time when they're they they're you know, shamed themselves, shamed others. Um, mm-hmm. It was interesting when you know when um, he's talking to himself and he's saying, "I, I changed the way you said things." Um, where he he wasn't he didn't he shouldn't be ashamed in how he felt because that's how he feels. He's a gay man marrying a straight woman. That's he yeah. doesn't feel right about that. But he didn't stand up for himself. He didn't mm-hmm. say what he really wanted to. You know, and to his mother, who basically you know. It, knows that he's gay but is not accepting of him being gay and just says you know just do it you know do it for the family this is my ring all that kind of jazz um and you're right you know he comes around at the end and understands what he has to be and that this goes back to the stuff that he was doing with his son too where he finally talks back to his son and gives it to his son um that's what larry has to do he has to put his 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 foot down and say Mm -hmm. you know what i am a gay man you know screw everybody else this is how i am you all need to change you all need mm-hmm. to accept who I am. Um, you know, it's hard not to feel awesome for Larry when he when he has these moments because of everything that we've seen, everything that they've shown us. Um, like, I, I think it's the first, you know, this stuff. I think it's the first season back when he's like, he's sitting in the back of the pickup truck with the, the man he's in love with. And he's, he's having these you know, the negative yeah. spirits and giving him these flashback scenes, um, you know, and you just understand like, oh, man, terrible things happened to this guy. Um, he's, he's in a terrible place. He's with, you know, he's with a woman he still loves, but not in an intimate way. So he's in a place Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to be. Um, and he wants to be somewhere else. And, you know, it's interesting by the end of the episode, when he goes back to get this larva thing, you know, what, what is this? I still don't know what this larva is. Um, I still don't think it's just a bug or a parasite, which is what Laura calls it. I think if it's just a bug, that's kind of stupid and meaningless. I'm mm-hmm. still expecting it to be some sort of negative spirit in some kind. Is um, it a heart? You know? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what it is yet, Zeddy, But I think mm-hmm. I, I think it's more than just a you know an inanimate object or some yeah. sort of blob that he's going to cuddle and you know put a hat on and, and talk to or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to mean something more to his growth. Um, you know, maybe it's going to be turned out to be a bad thing. I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm always here for for more Larry standing up for himself and that's what these last couple episodes have been ever since they came back from the fog i think it was two or three episodes ago where he brought Mm -hmm. his son back with him um that's i I love seeing larry stand up for himself because we always see larry by himself he's always left behind from the doom patrol he's never you know with the gang doing his own thing he's always left alone doing his own thing so you know seeing larry stand up and seeing him have a heart to heart with himself with his subconscious with you know uh, that and it happens for everybody too but i think larry's was um cliff's too was also really good shit they're mm-hmm. all good vic vic talking with you know the army man and all that kind of stuff yeah. it, it was all good but you know larry's was uh, particularly good um for mm-hmm. a lot of reasons that bomber's great too by the way um i oh, wish yeah. he didn't have to wear bandages the whole time i wish he could act I all know. the time so 
it's it's good to, it's good to have him out of the bandages and you know doing his thing because you know um he, he's he's got a lot of acting uh, acting props he's got those eyes that you know you're fixated on um he he does a a great job him and brandon frazier are both um yeah outstanding job in this episode mm-hmm. oh yeah i mean you know i mean brandon frazier who you know as of this recording you know no spoiler whatsoever but you know he was just cast as you know the lead villain in the back home movie too so you know yep. this like any chance that we can see this guy act again to me is awesome you know like mm-hmm. i've always enjoyed brendan fraser as an actor i think seeing uh his renaissance as of late too is, is really really cool uh so that you know just seeing him play off of himself too <laughs> in the world that he was casting i think is awesome but we're gonna get to clip mm-hmm. but i mean i actually want to talk about you know what affected me the most uh aside from mm-hmm. larry which was the stuff going on with uh vic and cyborg um you know the whole idea of you know mm-hmm. vic as a little boy uh looking for a black superhero toy uh which is something mm-hmm. that isn't explored a whole lot you know just in in media you know of you know kids looking for toys but looking for a specific uh version of a toy too like you know usually when you're a kid you just want something that looks cool right but you know no like vic as a kid was literally looking for a black superhero toy mm-hmm. and then you know it's almost like a gut punch you know when like the store manager comes over and he's just like really ignorant like we don't sell black superhero toys like what's wrong with you like we, we don't do that you know and, and it's really like socially relevant too which i thought was was brilliant obviously you know Vic's dad too is always incredible too whenever you know he's telling Vic, you know you just have to be the better person you know it's just you just have to uh and then obviously seeing his growth kind of later on in the episode where you know he chooses not to kind of you know accept whatever lesson is being taught to him you know even uh essentially saying f you to the army man you know at the very end uh so that was really uh puzzling too and then obviously yes the end that i kind of talked about in the beginning where he did go through with the plastic surgery uh, but they kind of ended in a way where we're not really sure if he's happy or he's sad. He's kind of just confused, which maybe has uh, more to do with maybe the anesthesia, probably waking up from anesthesia. Mm. That usually tends to happen, too. But mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see, you know, is he regretful or is he, you know, does he feel more comfortable about himself, too? You know, I definitely anticipate there's going to be a little bit of backlash from him deciding what he's going to do. You know, obviously, you get that really long cut on his body. Uh, that he has mm-hmm. a synthetic skin, so we'll see. Maybe it's real, maybe it's not. Who knows? Maybe his dad upgrades him. Like maybe he goes full on cyborg instead mm. of half and half. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, well, how did you feel about Vic's arc in this episode? Yeah, Vic. Vic's been good all season because you know he's playing with the idea again, much like everyone else, about who he is and who he wants to be. And you know, Vic's a guy that wants change. He wants to be a better person. Um, much of these other people, um, Cliff doesn't really give a shit. Um, Larry mm-hmm. is still trying to figure out, you know, where he wants to stand. James has more of a battle than anyone else, internal battle. Um, you know, Vic, Vic doesn't know who he is and who he wants to be. And, you know, he doesn't know if he wants to be cyborg. And like I said, he called Ronnie in the last episode in Bird Patrol looking for approval, acceptance, something. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he, he often calls his father, um, looking for approval, acceptance or, or otherwise, um, you know, so I don't really know who he was doing the, the change for who, who was he doing the surgery for? Was he doing it for himself? Was he doing it for what his mother would have wanted? Was he doing it be- 
to spite his father. And I think that's what I got from the end of the episode when he gets the surgery and he sits up and he, I, I wanted to say initially that he, re, he regretted it, but then he kind of, it's more of a malaise on his face. Like he said, that he may be an anesthesia. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I had a look that, that he regretted what he was doing because he didn't really think it through. Um, you know, he asked the, yeah. the, the woman, I think it was in episode seven, how much of him will change? Will he, he mm-hmm. lose grid? He'll lose his powers, use the, you know, anything that can't run on a, a certain, a small uh, battery or whatever he would lose. Um, and, and that goes to his thing where, and I think it was episode six, where six, where it was more the episode of addiction where he's, he's addicted to the grid. He's addicted to what he is. And now that he's instantly just like that, which is, um, you know, very, very quick change. Um, I'm not sure he was ready for that. Um, I'm not sure he fully accepted it inside of himself. Um, the change that he was going to accomplish. And, um, just as it was quick in the episode, like, like it feels like, it feels like he had the surgery within 10, 15 minutes and he was done with, and that's it. Um, and I think yeah. that's the kind of, <laughs> I think that's kind of the idea though, um, where he didn't have time to think about it. He, he didn't have time to understand what it actually meant to have this surgery. So it's going to be really interesting going forward. Um, if he gets changed back, if he gets an upgrade, um, anything like that, I think that's a really interesting thing. And, mm. you know, yeah, the, to start out, I think the episode started, Vic was the first one that we saw the past, um, his most shameful moment. Um, I think we started out with him in this episode and seeing him at the store, you know, being accused as a, you know, a little black kid just terrorizing the store, um, you know, being, yeah. being a hellraiser, something like that. And then his father tr- tries to mm-hmm. stick up for him and then his father just accepts it as well because um, he understands um, the r- race relations when it comes to lots of different things. Um, but yeah, I think it was General Tony or Army Man Tony or whatever it is. That 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 thing yeah. was really interesting about how you know he he wanted a superhero that looked like him. Um, you know, we're getting into yeah. that a lot nowadays um, in in comics and movies and TV shows. Um, not every character, comic character, should be white, straight, um, and you know, and straightforward. Um, they should be different. They should yeah. be different color, different gender, different races. Um, all the all that kind of stuff because there's people who read these comics or watch these TV shows who are those people. Mm-hmm. Um, so having them fully represented represented um, in this episode, it was a cool thing for Vic. You know, we don't see that very often. I think that's a big part of his character um, in the comics as well. Um, I'm not really sure. I don't read all. I haven't read all the Teen Titan stuff, Cyborg stuff. That's fine. Um, but for Vic in yeah. this um, in, in in this series in this season particularly about finding out who he is as a black man as a black superhero um who doesn't accept who he is as a black superhero trying to find a black superhero and he couldn't find one was uh very interesting Mm -hmm. really really good stuff from vic there's not a single character in this episode that had a bad storyline so um it's i'm not gonna keep saying that it was good but it was good you know vic was great Mm mm-hmm yeah, no, and then uh, I actually want to move on to, you know, Muppets aside, you know, I want to talk a little bit about Jane here because, you know, uh, aside from, you know, the, the ludicrous uh, stuff that goes on with the Muppets just destroying uh, one another physically, uh, which was actually the, the probably the disturbing part of the episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> to me, Ridiculous. Totally unnecessary. Oh, my, like, oh, my goodness. Um I don't think anybody's going to be watching the Muppets the same way. I certainly uh, would not if I was 
still watching <laughs> the Muppets. Uh, but it, you know, it definitely feels like you know they're toying around, but you know, the personality is trying to obviously push Jane out. You know, that that's still kind of in play here a little bit. Uh, but the thing that struck me the most too is you know what really does go on with Kay, right? Where it's everything seems to be okay when it's when it's from Kay's perspective, right? But then in Jane's perspective, you know, everything is like falling apart and uh Kay hates her and things like that and her personalities don't want her anymore. Uh so and then you know, do you feel like that we're leading into uh this concept that, you know, saving Kay was a mistake for Jane and that, you know, maybe Kay should have best been left, you know, alone, you know, maybe not in prison, but you know, maybe Kay shouldn't be an actual uh representation of Jane, you know, do you feel like that's where they're going? I think that's where they're going, but they, you also, when you think about what that actually means, you can't have it that way. Like, is, mm-hmm. is like you said, Zeddy, you can't have her locked up, but, oh, maybe we'll just put her over there in the corner, which is what yeah. the personalities want to do. That That's ludicrous. That's still a horrible, terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's happening is really interesting, too, though, because um, it's something that we haven't seen where there's, you know, one leader is trying to control K. And, and what we're getting into now is the personality saying, screw K altogether. I don't want to control her. I want nothing to do with her. I want to matter. Like the um, the teacher or the, the lawyer or the psychiatrist, whatever she is, she seems like the leader of the personalities who don't, who don't have much of a voice. Um, and she's trying to rally them to say that we matter too, which is an interesting idea too, because they do matter. Why don't they matter? They should matter. They're their own personalities. They're their own people in quotations or whatever you want to say. Um, but like, and, and, but like Jane says, I think it's in episode seven, we're here for K. Mm-hmm. That's, that's Jane's thinking. Cause I don't know if Jane's being selfless about it. She's again, being the more motherly figure and the people are being more, you know, selfish and um, only they're only thinking about themselves. Um, so it's going to be interesting what's going to happen. I almost feel bad. I'm, I, I'll, in all of these instances, like I said before, it's when you have a kid and your parents are fighting. You never feel bad for the parents. You feel bad for the kid. So I'm going to feel yeah. bad for Kay because like, I think a bad, something bad is going to happen to Kay. Either she's going to die somehow, like mm. her personality, the main you know person that, that is Kay is going to go away. She's going to be reduced to a scared, um, you know, a scared child who doesn't want to go out anymore. Um, yeah. Because of what these personalities are going to try and do, um, so yeah, like Muppets aside, there is still a lot that happened with with Jane, and it's it's still going to be very interesting what happens to see mm-hmm. who controls, um, yeah. who controls who. Um, you know, Jane's still mad at who she. she Jane's. I don't know if she's mad that she let Kay out, but she's she had to try something. You know, Jane had yeah. to try and do something, I think. Um, I don't mm-hmm. disagree with what Jane did with the bicycle, all that kind of stuff. And I don't disagree with Jane, you know, trying to to do what's best for Kay. Because I want what's best for Kay. She's the kid, right? You always want mm-hmm. what's best for the, 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 the kid in the equation. And there's nothing redeeming about the remaining personalities and what they're trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. I can s- sort of understand it because of their own reliance on that they think they're important, but that wasn't why they were created to begin with. Um, but that's, it's still, like you said, Zeddy at the top, it's a power struggle um, yeah. where in usually in the instances, the weak will not survive and who's the weakest of all of them. K is the weakest of all of them. Yep. So I'm not sure if she's going to make it out of this one. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know, and I, mean, I definitely want to circle back to Cliff, but, you know, I definitely think that it's still really, really interesting, Um, you know, that it was, uh, this season to me really seems like it's really focused on Larry and Rita to me, and it, and it's ironic too, because their arcs are what move forward the most for me, right? Like, obviously, Larry, out of, I guess, the the three that we got, you know, in this episode, Larry's the only, really the only one that chose to move forward and accept, you know, his fate and kind of attempt to try to be better is what I got, you know, and kind of Vic is still uh, left ambiguous a little bit and whether or not, you know, he's um, grateful or disappointed and where he's at, you know, Cliff obviously doesn't really change, you know, Cliff stays as Cliff, obviously Jane's, you know, unraveling, you know, as we speak and kind of Rita's at the end too, ready to kind of duke it out with uh, Lord DeVille too. So kind of, it's it's just it's just ironic to me, you know. You know, I don't know if that's intentional or if that's just you know the way it is. But um, obviously, you know, the thing with Cliff too was still pretty impactful too, right? You know, he we kind of talked about off the top thing. You know, we don't get Brendan Fraser a whole lot um, in this show too. You know, we're, you know we're very grateful for his fucks for his fuck bombs that that that, that he drops uh, the five hundred times in each episode uh, <laughs> yep, for sure. sure so, <laughs> um, uh, but. Like I kind of already said, too, you know, I think the guy's a fine actor himself, too. So seeing him just be able to act a little bit, too, I, I really, really enjoyed. Uh, so, Emmett, just how did you feel about, um, you know, the realization of Cliff uh, choosing not, you know, to listen to Cliff, essentially, too, right? What did you think of that? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's been interesting. Like, Cliff, it, you know, I, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth about them wanting mm-hmm. to change cliff does want to change he just wants to take the easy way out um like he wanted mm-hmm. to um you know fix himself and be better for his grand um for his grandkid and his daughter all that kind of stuff so he started taking the the medicine that um but he took too much of it and he got addicted to it and all that kind of stuff so he wanted to change um but he just took the wrong way about it and he's the one who accepts what he was doing in the you know that garage, you know, having that party and sleeping with that woman while his kid was in the car. He was the mm-hmm. first one to accept it. And then as soon as he did, he jumped into that spy really thing and caught everybody else along the way. So it was kind of cool to see Cliff do that. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. it was too little too late by the end of the episode where he, you know, they come out of the, the flagellation um, and he's still sitting in front of the computer spending his daughter's money. Um, so it was too little too late. So it is going to be interesting, again, where this goes. Um, everyone's left in a, such a state of flux by the end of this yep. episode. Um, but yeah, you know, seeing Cliff talk to himself was great. Um, Brennan Frazier puts in all the work in this episode. Um, you know, and we talked about it just briefly, Zeddy, but, you know, as much as the guys from The Mummy, um, you know, he's a you know goofy action star. And then, you know, he was out of Hollywood for... Uh, a while and came back yeah. and now he's you know having you know the brandon frazier renaissance he's going to be in a martin scorsese movie you obviously get cast in bad girl um you know and he's killing it on doom patrol like he has for forever um but it's it, it's great to see and I, I i have seen online as well and i think you have too the the praise from this episode in the acting from brandon frazier yep. he was absolutely incredible um and you feel still still feel sorry for him just like you do um with jane is it too little too late um with with larry is it you know him standing up for himself is it too little too late vic you know you already did the surgery is it too little too late to go back um Mm. cliff's the same way like he still did that turn and stole money from his daughter for his addiction 
Um, so, it, you know, I'm not sure how he rebounds from this one. I'm not sure. I'm actually really interested in the next episode. And I'm actually really, uh, I want to see what happens now. This might be my most anticipated of the season so far, just to seeing where yeah. everyone goes from here. Um, Cliff in particular, because, you know, I, I, he was the one who wanted to change. He was the one who saw he was in a bad spot back then in his, in his hot rod days, um, doing, doing his thing with his daughter, you know, not far behind and cheating on his wife, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that, that stuff was very interesting. And, you know, just to go back the idea of what was happening in everyone's subconscious too, where they were living out the moments they were there in body, but they said different things. And, but the person they said it to didn't hear what they were saying. They heard the regular things that they had said. Um, so just like with bird patrol, how the episode played out from the past and the present was cool. This episode played out really cool because of the, you know, the subconscious, um, overlay between the actual events and the, the subconscious events. I, I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, um, I think, you know, as if, you know, we can't really praise the episode enough to, you know, I, I definitely think, you know, this being, you know, uh, an episode of subconscious, you know, of them trying to battle, you know, their inner selves. Uh, you know, in full form, I thought was even more brilliant too. Uh, but I mean, kind of the last thing that I really wanted to touch on too is essentially, you know, the ending. Like, obviously, we already said that, you know, it seems like Rita and Laura are kind of due for their, their clash in the present. It seems too. But, you know, one of the vibes too that I got is that, you know, it truly felt like a Anakin Skywalker turn, I guess, for Laura Deville too, in a sense too, where, um, it clearly feels like, you know, she wants to help the metahumans, but then there's always that kind of internal struggle of, you know, I can't help you, but I want to help you. And, you know, where I'm at is so appealing right now because I have power. And if I help you guys, I lose my power. And then there's there's this idea of when you get power, you always want too much of it. too. So it kind of feels like she just went full on to the dark side. You know, just kind of all of a sudden, too, right? Like, you know, she got the consumption of what power could be you know or that i can't really side with you guys because if i do i'll die right it's almost like you know siding with you guys will get me killed because it's not the popular thing to do uh so siding with the bureau you know is the right thing to do for me so i think you know where my anakin turn kind of comes like you know where it just felt like you know i guess the bureau was palpatine here and she she just got consumed unlimited power it would consume anybody. Um, but yeah, so I, 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 you know, and I guess Rita is, Rita is Obi-Wan then, then Emmett. There you go. I'll go full on Star Wars here. There we uh, go. So I, I'm not, I'm not sure if, if you felt that same way too, Emmett, or, or just uh, what you thought about Laura's turn. Cause we knew it was coming, but it kind of just abruptly happened for me. Like in this week's episode, like full on. Yeah, that, I I didn't get the Star Wars vibes, and that's that's totally fine. But yeah, like like I said with uh, Episode Seven, like you start to see what type of person Laura actually is. Um, you know, she's a company woman. That's what she really is. She's more on the side of the bureau, um, and then eventually she leaves the bureau and you know shacks up with the 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 Brotherhood of Evil. Um, you know, I love seeing the, the monkey guy in that robot head. <laughs> talking i think that's always fun um you know so it you know they talk about the time machine and they talk about what they want to do with the time machine and you know it's interesting to see rita use the time machine uh, instead uh, so that goes into my theory about you know how the hell does um laura get back to to the present but you know, we'll find out that yeah that's right <laughs> 
Maybe she'll find oh. a DeLorean or something in 1949. I'm not sure. Oh, Jesus. Um, wouldn't be, wouldn't yeah, be surprised. So, yeah, so I, I like the turn with Lauren. It, it just goes back to, to, to my things, Eddie, about not knowing who the bad guy is um, and if the mm. bad guy is even the bad guy. Um, huh? And I think that, that keeps the story moving um, in, in a positive way. And, it, and it, it, it's interesting about, you know... I, uh, this is kind of a uh, maybe a topic for the for the 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 last episode, but um, it's interesting that there's no like world doom in this you know season. Like it's not the mm. end of the world, you know. With the same thing with the candle maker, the candle maker was oh. going to end all things. You know, Mister Mister uh, Nobody was going to end all things with the donkey and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, this one is not like that. It's more of a, a, a contained story about. The Doom Patrol, mm-hmm. the Sisterhood, and the the Bureau of Normalcy slash the Brotherhood uh, of Evil. So I I, I really mm-hmm. like that idea too. Like this, Lord Demille isn't out to end the world. Um, yeah. You know, the Sisterhood is out to do some stuff because um, that's what they do. They 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 put everyone in the world inside their subconscious. In they only say that we don't actually see it. Um, but it's not about like world domination or ending the world. It's more about. Yeah. Um, understanding the sisterhood wants people to realize who they are um, mm. on the whole. But, so it's a different kind of world domination, I guess. But, you know, it's just nice. It's nice that there's not some guy, you know, grandstanding on the top of a hill um, yeah. as a big bad. I think that's really cool. And I think that's what I, I appreciate about, uh, about Laura DeMille is she's not a grandstanding villain. Is she even a villain? We really don't even know yet. Um, we thought the sisterhood was a villain for an episode and a half, and now all of a sudden they're switched. So I, I assume the same will happen with Laura too, because we still don't really know why she came back to the future because, or the present. What we know mm-hmm. is she came back looking for Niles. So yeah. I'm, you know, that it's it's just interesting how the you know the, how the brotherhood gets involved in all this stuff, um, and maybe we'll, maybe we'll see more of that, more of the grandstanding. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I I completely echo everything you said. So you know, my only real concern, I guess, for Laura is you know, which feels like you know, you kind of already, I guess, have sympathized with her, but I guess them fully making her the sympathetic villain, Emmett, I guess, in a sense too, where you know, obviously that trope is kind of played a lot, uh, you know, in superhero movies and in movies in general, where you know, it's you know, they're the villain the whole time, and then they obviously really want you to sympathize. With them at the end, you know, I'm not really sure if I want that yet for Laura. You know, I think, you know, her fate's kind of already been sealed. So, you know, I don't really quite know if she can be redeemed. Obviously, you know, the whole thing is that she hates Niles Calder. You know, Niles Calder seems to be uh, the mission at hand. So I still don't even know, like, where that's going to come into play, too, right? Like, you know, we haven't seen Timothy Dalton a whole lot um, in this season. So, you know, I don't know, you know, does he have a role in trying to stop Lloyd Deville? You know, does he try to redeem Laura Deville somehow by, you know, him ended up not being the person that she thought she was too, right? We obviously saw that with kind of Rita already too. So I think, you know, grief and regret seems to be the theme this season. Uh, So I guess we only have two episodes left, so it kind of remains to be seen, uh, you know, what they do. I would anticipate nine is probably a good payoff episode, I guess, leading into the finale, I would anticipate. Um, And I guess we'll see where this goes, Emmett. I agree. It's going to be really interesting um, where it goes. Um, you know, I wonder. How, I'm excited. Like I said, Zeddy, I'm glad we broke these up into th- these two episodes together because that leaves us the penultimate episode and then the finale um, to see where it goes. Because there, it, there's a lot of changes that have happened to our characters 
um, mm. so far in, in, in this season and a lot just in this episode, like in episode eight and subconscious patrol, a lot changed, like literally cyborg changed his physical appearance in one episode. And, you know, that, that's, that's a lot for a whole season. If that took, you know, him to change from and learn how to use his, his new body or whatever, they could have done it in so many different ways. Um, you know, they, they accomplished a lot of things in, um, in basically, you know, seven episodes, maybe six, considering the first episode is a quick wrap up um, and mm-hmm. how they move things along. Um, you know, we got those three episodes right out the gate. Boom, 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 boom. Um, how they moved it along. But you know, it, it, it's interesting. I'm, I'm glad we we did these two episodes together because there was a lot of change for our characters. Um, a lot of growth for our characters and a lot of maybe a couple steps back for some of them, too. We'll have to see where yeah. it goes for um, for Larry, Jane, uh, Rita, uh, Cliff and Vic. Absolutely. And one of the things for sure is we are definitely eager to see where they go. They definitely leave us in a good spot, you know, for some some really great uh, character development, you know, as they always do. But we can't wait to review episode nine. Emmett, again, can't believe that we're saying episode nine already. Uh, that still feels unbelievable, but can't wait to see what next week's weird is going to bring, I would anticipate. Uh, but, Emmett, before we get on out of here, thank you so much again for joining me for episode 7 and 8. As always, I want you to plug everything that you got going on and where people can find you on social media. Zeddy, thanks so much for having me, as always. Um, always love talking to you, man. Uh, the easiest place to find me is just on Twitter, at EmmettDavis7. Uh, it's where you can find uh, some small ramblings on Twitter. And also in my Twitter bio, you can find my links for the GWW, uh, where I got reviews for comics, uh, video games, and some other stuff. Thanks, bud. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I just got two things for you guys. So first things first, I want you guys to follow The Vigilante 1939, of course, on Twitter. Uh, it's where this show is actually a sub show, of course. So follow Vigilante1939 on Twitter. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Nick Zenick. It's just my name. N-I-C-K-Z-E-D-N-I-K. You was also find me on Twitter rambling about some other stuff. So much stuff. Uh, Two Patrol included. Uh, so that's actually going to be a great way to wrap this bad boy up. We'll be back next week. Episode 9 of Two Patrol. Can't wait. For Emma Davis, my name is Xander, and with great muscles comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm.